once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me in the betters boxes, ATS.io's MLB betting podcast for Monday, July 26th. I'm your host, Adam Burke. Make sure you check out the articles over at ATS.io, the landing page with the links to my picks and previews for that day's action. Then also some thoughts on the other games on the board. So you check that out over at ATS.io. Three plays for today, write-ups on some of the other games in that daily article. So head on over to the website and check that out. Also, make sure you download the ATS app, which you can find in the Google Play Store or in the Apple Store. It's a bet tracker, an odd screen, a stats database, full article integration from the website, all kinds of helpful handicapping tools and resources in that ATS app. So make sure you check that out. Then also doing other content over at ATS.io. have a golf preview for you this week. I think there's a UFC event this week. Maybe not. If there is, I'll have an article up for it covering NASCAR over at the website as well as NASCAR. The Cup Series returns here this week with a race after having last weekend off. So I cover that stuff over at ATS.io. I've also put up uh, the July edition of my college football power ratings. That went up what during the All-Star break, I would say. So I put that up over there at the website, some season win total stuff, kind of handicapping some of the new coordinators. A lot of good information to start getting you ready here for the college football season. And I intend this week to put up some NFL stuff for you over at the website as well. So make sure you hit ATS.io. Check out all the great content that's over there. And also keep in mind, too, a lot of sportsbook reviews, a lot of stuff about industry news, all kinds of good stuff covering the industry from all sides over at the website there. So the format for today will go beyond the box score. Then we'll go down the lines and give you a pick for tonight's action and a preview here of the week ahead. But before we get into all of that, I have an announcement to make here for today's show, and it is a little bit of a bittersweet one here to say that this will be my last week at ATS.io. In fact, Saturday will be my last day. So this is the second to last edition of the Betters Box. We'll have one more coming up here on Thursday. I do have something lined up for the future. I cannot announce it yet at this point in time, but this will be my last week here with ATS.io. And I'll have some more thoughts to say about it on Thursday's show, but you know, I'm, I'm very excited to begin a new chapter uh, in my life here coming up uh, in you know, a few weeks time here. But you know, my time with ATS has been great. And certainly of course, you know, bringing over the betters box from bang the book, you know, something where, I've you know done a lot with the podcast, done a lot with my following here for the show. I know that I've generated a very loyal following at that, and I hope that you will follow me uh, to the next place that I end up. But you know, um, I'm leaving on on good terms. You know, things are going well. You know, and and it's one of those things. And obviously, I'm doing this unscripted, so uh, just kind of rambling here a little bit. But, you know, uh, I don't know what will become of the betters box. I don't know if it you know, may be something where I do a baseball podcast down the line uh, for the new place. But you know, this will be the last week here at ATS.io. And, you know, I've had a great time uh, with the site, with the show, with everything we've had going on. Uh, you know, we've generated a lot of content in a short period of time. But uh, Thursday's edition of the betters box will be the last show in its current format, you know, who knows what may happen down the line. But uh, that is my announcement here for today that Saturday will be my last day over at ATS.io. I will be creating content somewhere else down the line, but, uh, you know, we'll not be doing this podcast. And then, of course, uh, won't be doing the daily article either. So, you know, I know that uh, 
a lot of people enjoy the article. A lot of people enjoy the content. And a lot of people certainly enjoy the show, especially those that have signed up for the show notes. And I thank all of them for doing that. But, uh, you know, need to turn the page, need to start a new chapter here in my life. So this will be my last week at ATS.io. And Saturday will be my last day here as we finish out the month of July. All right, so with that, let's go ahead and go beyond the box we're here and dive into what we've kind of seen over the last few days. I'll talk a little bit about the trade deadline as well and some handicapping angles and some other things that you want to keep in mind with that. But, you know, the numbers from Thursday, on Thursday's edition of the show, 252 average, 321 on base, 435 slugging percentage in the second half. Well, now, as I talk here on Monday, 244 batting average, 316 on base, 424 slugging percentage. So a very difficult weekend offensively. And over the last four days here across Major League Baseball, 230 average, 306 on base, 405 slugging percentage. So the numbers did drop rather significantly for the second half here over this past weekend. We did have some good pitching matchups. I think that certainly played a bit of a role, but also I just think natural regression and variance kind of came into play here a little bit. Also, too, something that I talked about extensively last week and coming out of the All-Star break is that we were going to get a lot of pitchers on seven, eight, nine, ten days rest, guys that hadn't pitched in a long period of time, and it's difficult to stay sharp. You know, obviously, they certainly appreciate a little bit of downtime, you know, kind of improve that arm health a little bit, but now that we've got guys pitching back on their regular turns, certainly would expect them to be quite a bit sharper here as we go forward. So I do think that maybe as guys are making their second and third turns through the rotation here this week on regular rest, this may be the norm. We may see offense kind of slow down a little bit uh, as we go forward here. And of course, you know, look, I mean, when you talk about these things in small sample sizes, you know, it depends on where these series are being played. You know, are there a lot of series being played in pitchers parks? Did we just happen to fall on a period of the week where all of the aces were kind of going on the mound? You think about the three guys that pitched for the Brewers this weekend, Freddie Peralta, Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff. You know, I mean, look, those are their three best starters by far. And they held the White Sox to five runs in that series, unable to get the sweep on Sunday. But the Chicago offense has been such a good one throughout the season that they just ran into a buzzsaw of three elite level starting pitchers and that really good Milwaukee bullpen. Things like that can certainly drag down the league performance as a whole. So, you don't want to read too much into these things and you don't want to read too much into small sample size in major league baseball anyway. But I think that there is a root cause to this. And that would be that pitchers are getting back into a rhythm. Now, you know, they're not going seven, eight, nine days between starts. They're pitching on that fifth or the sixth day, something like that. So I think that is something that definitely benefits these pitchers and something that probably will curtail offense at least a little bit here uh, over the next week or two. And something else, too, kind of along those same lines, is that over the last four days, from Thursday to Sunday, the strikeout percentage back up to 23.9%. And that was something that had dropped pretty significantly uh, coming into the All-Star break ever since that first memo on June 3rd, and then especially after umpires started checking for substances on June 21st, the strikeout percentage had gone down into the low 22% range. Well, back up to almost 24% here over the weekend. So, Of course, that's going to have a negative impact on batting average, on slugging percentage, and all of that. So, again, small sample size variance, you know, regression to the mean, all these kinds of things. 
I can't imagine that the strikeout percentage will stay high over the next couple of days because a lot of aces pitched over the weekend. But that is something that you want to keep in mind here is that we will get you know some oscillation in the numbers here because of the, the pitchers that are going, because of the ballparks, all of that. Overall, though, again, the primary takeaway is that ever since pitchers stopped using foreign substances, offense has gone up. The baseline is different now. There will be fluctuations in these small sample sizes where it's higher, where it's lower. Offense has gone up, but the totals market has already been adjusted. And obviously, like the other things I talked about last week, you know, guys are hitting more fly balls, so guys are hitting for more power. Well, maybe that helps ground ball guys. Maybe that hurts guys that have subpar command. Just keep all of these things in mind here as we go forward because what we're seeing basically since June 3rd and especially since June 21st is what we should see throughout the rest of the season. So that is our new normal. So if you're looking at starting pitchers at their game logs, all of that, it's very hard to put a lot of weight into April and May just simply because the game has changed so much since that period of time. We already had one really big trade domino fall yesterday. That was the pickup of Adam Frazier for the San Diego Padres. Frazier having a monster year for the Pittsburgh Pirates. We'll see if the Pirates opt to trade Brian Reynolds as well. But, you know, I'm really interested to see how the Padres handle this because they've got a $144 million first baseman in Eric Hosmer, who's just not a very good hitter. They'd be much better off putting Jake Cronenworth at first base, letting Frazier play second base. They could theoretically put Frazier out in the outfield. You know, we'll see how they kind of handle this. I like what the Padres are doing, saying, look, let's just pick up really good players and then we'll figure out where to put them. I think that's a really sound and smart strategy that, you know, the smartest of the teams out there are kind of putting together. But I'm really curious to see if they have the stones to bench Hosmer and just kind of consider him a sunken cost, not only for this season, but maybe going forward as well. Maybe they find a team to take half of that contract from them or something like that. But the first big domino fell and admittedly had some things going on here this weekend. So I I wasn't really able to look too much into the players that the Pirates got back in that deal. But it's always intriguing to see these early deals because they kind of set the market. Not that there are a lot of Adam Frazier's out there, guys with a little bit of contract control that are also very productive. But it is interesting to kind of see how this market is going to set up and that's something you want to factor into your handicapping here because, look, if you're trying to attack the futures market, expecting some teams to make some moves, you know, what are they giving up? I mean, are they giving up a really good young bullpen arm? Are they giving up, you know, a good prospect that they just recently called up? You know, for the Red Sox, for example, if they go out there and make a splash, do they have to give up Duran? You know, something like that. Those are things that you have to consider where, you know, maybe that weakens their depth at the top levels, something like that. So there's a lot of factors that go into trade deadline handicapping here. And I'll run through a few of them because the trade deadline is coming up on Friday. And by Thursday's show, you know, who knows how many of these players may have already been on the move. But keep in mind, first and foremost, if you're betting on a seller, stuff may happen during the day. You know, if you're betting on a team that is in a position to be trading away some of its assets, Like, for example, today, we'll say the Kansas City Royals, right? And I am on the Chicago White Sox for what it's worth. But the the Royals today, right? They may trade Whit Merrifield today. That is a possibility. There may be a team that is interested in the services of of Jorge Soler. So keep that in mind. If you're betting a team 
that will be a clear-cut seller, they may be trading a guy that afternoon. He may not be in the lineup that night. Or maybe they don't trade him, but he sits out because they want to make sure that he doesn't get hurt. So keep that in mind. If you're betting on a seller, you may end up getting caught with a number at a bad price. You know, I mean, the think about what happened on Saturday, and I'll talk about this a little bit more in the Down the Line segment with the Angels and the Twins game. Money came in pretty heavily on Alex Cobb. Uh, you know, early in the morning, they wound up being a pretty big favorite. I took them still in that minus 125 range. Minnesota ended up closing the favorite in that game because Jared Walsh and Shohei Otani weren't in the lineup for the Angels. So that's kind of the thing you want to look for here is that you get the initial line movement overnight and the early morning, but then you do get another wave of line moves if there's something different about the lineup. Well, there may be something different about the lineup with the sellers. So that may be a situation where if you're trying to bet on a seller, maybe you do kind of wait on that number a little bit and make sure that you get that full lineup. And you think, for example, about a team like the Chicago Cubs, right? I mean, the Chicago Cubs could trade Bryant, Rizzo, and Baez, all of them this week. You know, if all of a the sudden they trade one or two of those guys in an afternoon, well, that line's going to look a whole hell of a lot different when we get closer to first pitch. So if you're betting on a seller, if you're interested in betting on a seller, you may want to wait a little bit. You may want to wait and make sure that everybody's going to be in that lineup that you expect to be in that lineup. And obviously, too, I mean, look, you always want to select listed pitchers. You do ne- you never want to select action when you're making your MLB bets. But keep that in mind. You know, a starting pitcher could end up getting scratched because they get traded. You know, uh, for the Cubs, Craig Kimbrell might get dealt. You know, if, if you're betting on the Cubs, you expect them to have the lead. If they have the lead, you expect Craig Kimball to pitch. So, again, if you're betting on sellers, be very, very careful with taking those teams too early on when you don't know what might happen throughout the day. That's especially true as we get closer to Friday. And on Thursday's show, I'll go on my annual rant about how the trade deadline day should be a league-wide off day. But you know, keep that in mind here, that as we get closer to that Friday deadline, you know, this whole angle with sellers could wind up being, you know, something that that ends up kind of coming to fruition. But furthermore, if you're interested in betting on a team against a seller, you might want to play that one early. You know, I got the White Sox here tonight in the minus 120 range. If Whit Merrifield gets traded, that line probably goes up to minus 130, minus 135, something like that. So if you're fading a seller, that is a case where you may want to try to get it early. Because the line's probably not going to move that much against you anyway, because sellers are traditionally not very good teams. But if somebody does end up getting traded, then that line probably goes up a little bit. So if you're trying to fade a seller, maybe in your best interest to bet early. If you're trying to bet on a seller, I would definitely wait that one out and kind of see what happens throughout the course of the day. Something else to keep in mind here with sellers specifically is that they're in very uncomfortable situations. You know, it's not fun to say goodbye to your friends or guys that you, you know, grew up with through the minor leagues, something like that. It is not a great spot to be in. And again, being a seller is basically your definitive statement that you don't feel like your team can contend for this season. And with, you know, 60 games left to go, you don't have any hope at the playoffs. And that can be something that's pretty challenging from a mental standpoint where all of these guys want to win. 
And most of these guys have never really experienced a whole lot of failure throughout their sports careers. You know, especially if it's maybe a team that's always in the playoff hunt. You think about the St. Louis Cardinals, for example. If the Cardinals start selling off any pieces and, and they don't really have a whole lot to sell, but if they start selling off pieces, I mean, this is a team with one losing season since 2000. I mean, you know, this is a team that is always in that playoff hunt. To wave the white flag here and say that we can't do it this season, I think says a lot. So if a team like the Yankees does that, you know, somebody like that, I think that's a really big challenge for those teams from a mental and emotional standpoint. So these are uncomfortable situations. And I think that to a degree, you can use that to your advantage here throughout this week, because these teams are just kind of, you're not fully focused on the game. You're kind of more focused on what will happen or from a live betting standpoint, you know, we're on hug watch now. Maybe you wind up with a situation where, you know, a team kind of trades a player during a game. You know, I mean, we've seen, we've seen some downright awful things. You know, Ubaldo Jimenez, when he got traded to the Indians uh, in 2011, he still made his start. I, I have no idea why. And he was terrible in that start. Uh, you know, I, I can't think of who it was, but you know, the, the shortstop that was just in tears during the game when he found out that he'd been traded and they just left him out there. I mean, it was, it was brutal to watch. You know, these things do happen and can potentially be some live betting angles for you to keep in mind. Also this week, the only team that I feel like is really in position to change whether or not there'll be a buyer or a seller is the Atlanta Braves. You know, I I think that when you look at the Atlanta Braves here, you know, they play the Mets. They play a five-game series against the Mets this week. Doubleheader today and then a a three-game series after that, four-game series total uh, with the doubleheader game they can change what they do. You know, they went out and got Jock Peterson and Steven Vogt, but now they're kind of in a position of saying, look, let's see what happens here this week. They could be a seller because they could move Freddie Freeman and Charlie Morton. They could also decide that they want to buy and try to play on what looks to me to be a vulnerable Mets team. So let's see what happens here with them. But I think they're really the only team this week in a position to really change whether or not they're a buyer or a seller. This goes without saying, I think, but I know some people have definitely been fooled in the past. I know it's happened to me a couple of times, but if you're scouring social media for news, look for the check mark. Make sure that that information is verified and from a legitimate source. Don't fall for anything where, oh my God, so-and-so got traded. I got to go bet the other side. You know, I mean, pay attention to, to the sources that you're getting information from. And also, too, generally speaking, national guys are the ones that really break a lot of the news. A lot of times the local beat writers aren't as well connected with the agents or anything like that. So a lot of times it will be the national guys that break the news. The Rosenthal's, the Morosi's, the Heyman's, the Jeff Passons, guys like that. Those will be the guys that break the news. So those are the guys that you probably want to look for here over the next few days. Some sports books put up odds for trade markets. You know, I, you see this a lot, mostly on the, in the global markets, the international sports book markets, where they'll put up odds on where a player is going to get traded to something like that. Look, this is all a guessing game. I don't think that any of those types of betting markets are plus EV opportunities. You know, I don't think it's worth betting on. You know, I don't think it's anything. I don't think it's worth betting on where Chris Bryant is going to go. 
I don't think it's worth betting on where Joey Gallo is going to go. I'll give you my thoughts here on today's show and where I think some of those guys may end up going, but I don't think it's worth betting on. You know, I think if you want to bet on it, instead of trying to figure out which individual team these players will go to, look at the futures market. See if you can find some opportunities out there in the futures market for the pennants or the World Series or maybe even division races, something like that. You know, if you think the Met, if you think the Braves are going to play well this week against the Mets, and you think the Braves will end up being a buyer as opposed to a seller, then don't go looking around for individual player prop odds on you know who might wind up with the Braves. Just take a piece of their futures market where they could win that potentially, even if you don't get that player's new team right. So I wouldn't look at any of those types of things. I don't think that they matter. I don't think that they're particularly predictive either. So I would stay away from markets like that. You know, there's enough variance in baseball betting everything else that you don't really need to jeopardize your bankroll trying to, you know, pinpoint where a guy ends up going. And as I said, I'll try to do that on today's show, but I'm not advocating bets on any of these things here for this week. Lastly, one other thing from a trade deadline standpoint is that buyer teams usually get a bump in their prices. Even if they're getting a player who may not be that impactful, maybe a platoon guy or something like that, they tend to get a little bit of a bump because you see an increase in perception on that team. You know, oh, that team's a buyer. And then somebody grades their you know transaction in some big article. And, you know, look, maybe it's a player that will significantly help them. Maybe it's a player that won't. But in the betting markets, you will typically see the odds go up a little bit on those types of teams because, oh, they're going for it. You know, the players are going to respond to that. They're going for it. You don't know that that's always going to be the case. They may not play, you know, as well, just from simple variants or something like that. But keep that in mind that, you know, odds are always a byproduct of perception. So that's something I think is really, really important to kind of consider here in the betting markets. All right, so some guys I think may kind of end up in certain places, and this is all for fun. This is completely for fun, just sort of doing this, kind of throwing these things out there, trying to predict some landing spots. And as I said, I would not bet on these at all. But I think Joey Gallo to Milwaukee makes a ton of sense. I mean, they could use a big bopper in the middle of that order. They don't hit for a ton of power. He's a guy that walks a lot as well. You know, really for them, they just need to try and create run scoring opportunities and then let things fall on a really, really good pitching staff. So I think Joey Gallo could very well go to Milwaukee, who, you know, is probably in line to make a pretty significant move. And then also, too, with the fact that the Bucs just won the NBA title, well, that's something to where, you know, look, I think that's a situation where they're going to try to go for it, trying to feed off of what happened with the NBA team. So I'd look for that a little bit here with Milwaukee and Joey Gallo. Chris Bryant, I'm going to throw out a, a destination here for Chris Bryant. What about Oakland? What about the Oakland A's? Who I think could use Bryant as an outfielder or could use him to give Matt Chapman a little bit of a blow. It's been a difficult year for Matt Chapman this season. So I think Bryant's versatility would fit really nicely with the Oakland A's, who I think could use a little bit more offense. So Chris Bryant to Oakland, one that I'm kind of taking a look at here. Craig Kimbrell of the Cubs. Look, I mean, Houston is the obvious fit, right? I mean, that's the obvious fit, the obvious need. I guess there's a possibility that maybe he could go to Boston. But to me, I think that Houston is just probably the the most accurate fit for him. I mean, Houston needs help at the back end of the bullpen. 
the bullpen is really the only problem area that Houston has. I don't think they need to be out there in the, in the marketplace for a hitter, maybe a starting pitcher just to add a little bit more depth. But I think Kimbrell as a relief option just makes a ton of sense for them. Trevor's story, you know, Trevor's story is a guy getting talked about a lot uh, for the Colorado Rockies here. I'm going to throw out one that maybe a lot of people aren't talking about, but I think the San Francisco Giants are a great fit here for Trevor's story. Brandon Crawford hurts his oblique. I think that opens up a spot at shortstop now for the next month to six weeks. And when Crawford comes back, you either move him to second base or you move story to second base. The Giants can move some guys around the infield. I think Donovan Solano is kind of a weak player at second base for a championship contending team. And Story could play the outfield as well. So I think there's a lot of different options here for Trevor Story. And I think the Giants are a really good fit. I know teams typically don't trade within the division, but I don't think the Giants necessarily have to worry about that. So that's one that I'm kind of looking at here. And then lastly, Starling Marte. A lot of talk about Starling Marte who's having a big year for the Miami Marlins here. Boston makes a ton of sense, right? I mean, they bring up the kid in Duran and you know he'll probably be a decent major leaguer long-term, but they need immediate help now. And I think a center fielder like Starling Marte was a, is a perfect fit. No commitment after the season for the Red Sox who have kind of been shedding payroll a little bit. I think Starling Marte to Boston kind of makes a lot of sense here for them. So again, I wouldn't bet on any of these things, but just, you know, some things I've kind of been thinking about and kind of been considering here with some of these major league baseball teams. Lastly, I will say this. I think the White Sox need to get better. You know, they get Eloy Jimenez back today. Luis Robert is also on his own rehab assignment. Yes, Monty Grandal will come back in August. But I think the White Sox need to get better. I think they need to get better in the bullpen. And I think it would definitely be in their best interest to maybe add another starting pitcher, to give themselves a little bit of depth, a little bit of cushion. Dylan Cease has not pitched well lately. Uh, obviously Dallas Keuchel is a guy that you know the markets aren't real sold on I think the White Sox need to get better because they're the only playoff team not in the top 11 in win percentage against teams that are 500 or better they are 17th at 21 and 28 the A's are not very good at 30 and 34 I think they need an upgrade as well the Dodgers 23 and 25 all the other ones are 500 or over 500 the Brewers 22 and 21 Mets 22 and 19 Giants 29 and 22 Red Sox 38 and 27, the Rays 40 and 28, Padres 31 and 21, and the Astros 45 and 25. So I think when you look at kind of how teams stack up against other really good teams, I think that's why you look at the White Sox to get better, the A's to get better, the Brewers to get better. Maybe the Mets are a buyer along with already getting Rich Hill. So I think those are things that you do want to take a look at here with these trade deadline markets where I think there are teams that understand that they have needs. There's a limited number of buyers and quite a few sellers out there. So it should be a pretty active and very interesting Major League Baseball trade deadline. All right, so taking a look down the lines here as we take a look at some line movements from the last few days. And one thing I do want to point out before I look at some specific action that we saw Friday, Saturday, and Sunday is to say that I think for the most part right now, this is a pretty tight betting market. You know, obviously you've got some moves, you've got moves where favorites become bigger favorites and all of that. We've had some totals moves, certainly. But for the most part here, I mean, right now, this is the only game in town. You've got the Olympic stuff. You've got golf and you've got UFC and, you know, these once a week types of things. Obviously, golf, you can bet matchups for different rounds and, and all that kind of thing. But as far as the six major sports go, this is it. 
you know, we don't have the NFL preseason just yet. That's obviously coming up here very, very quickly. But, you know, overall, I, I feel like the baseball betting market is is pretty solid right now. You know, it seems like a lot of the uncertainty that betters had in June and July, you know, coming off of the spin rate crackdown, that seems to be gone. You know, it, it feels like a lot of the influential betters do have a pretty good feel for the marketplace right now, do have a pretty good feel where they think numbers should be. And while we have seen some pretty big line moves lose here of late, and that, that's always going to happen in any given season, it does feel like the markets are, are pretty solid. This feels like a pretty efficient market right now. So just kind of my observation sort of from the outside looking in, I do feel like you know everyone's kind of keyed in on baseball right now because there's really not much else to do. We've got significant sample sizes for just about everybody now. So does feel like the market is pretty tight, I would say, overall. But with that being said, we've still seen a lot of line moves here over the last few days. Some Zach Gallon money hit the board on Friday. That was against Zach Davies in that Diamondbacks and Cubs game. A lot of love for Gallon, I feel like, lately, even though you know, it's kind of a throwaway season for him. A couple stints on the IL, uh, not super sharp, not really working deep into games. And also, to me, keep in mind, you know, if you're betting the Diamondbacks, you're betting on one of the worst bullpens in baseball. So the gallon money is one thing, especially for the first five. But seeing some Diamondbacks full game money, that's always something that does kind of surprise me a little bit. We saw a really heavy move on Friday on Zach Wheeler and the Phillies, taking on the Braves and Max Freed. That's a line that jumped up about 25 or 30 cents there. And Max Freed has some pretty good numbers. But Wheeler taking a lot of money there in that one was the right side in that game. Wish I would have went ahead and laid that Phillies price instead of playing the first five under. Uh, but, you know, kind of is what it is. But that was a line that did run out in the morning as I was writing the article. And I did mention uh, on Thursday's show that, you know, I thought I'd be on Zach Wheeler and the Phillies and uh, would have had that opportunity without that big line move while writing the article. So, you know, that is one of the challenges of, of handicapping for content is that, you know, sometimes these lines kind of run out a little bit and it can be a little bit frustrating to say the least. Also on Friday, we saw Tyler Mayo money come in. That was against Wade LeBlanc and the Cardinals Reds at home. Not really a big surprise to see money come in on them. There did win that series over the Cardinals, but I think they were hoping for a better outcome in Sunday's game, but they did win Friday's game uh, with that line movement in their favor. So money on Friday on Johnny Cueto and the Giants. That was against Chad Cool and the Pittsburgh Pirates. You know, pretty telling to see money on Johnny Cueto. The market has really not liked Cueto a whole lot this season. Did like him in that spot. That one wound up being a loser as the Giants just didn't play well in that series against the Pirates there. But as I said, always really telling when you see money come in on a pitcher that the market traditionally hasn't really liked this season. We saw money come in on the Red Sox. That was a fade of Garrett Cole and the Yankees. Eduardo Rodriguez in that one. And, you know, the Red Sox with that big uh, big series, big weekend against the Yankees. And, you know, money did come in on Boston quite a bit throughout that series. And, and I think that a lot of people out there, myself included, that saw a lot of statistical signs of liking the Yankees have really backed off of that position. And I think a lot of people now starting to fade New York for a variety of different reasons here. And we saw quite a bit of that in that series against the Red Sox. I mentioned this earlier, but the weird line movement in that game with the Angels and the Twins, where the Angels took the early money with Alex Cobb on the mound, Twins took the late money with Jay Happ on the mound. 
the Angels sitting Jarrett Walsh and Shohei Otani. And look, I mean, frankly, that was probably about a 25 or 30 cent decision with those two guys out of the lineup. Twins did win that game. They came back off of the Angels bullpen, much to my chagrin, being stuck with a bad number on the Angels. But that's what I'm talking about with regards to the trade deadline and kind of paying attention to all the news is that a lot of the modeling crowd will wait until lineups get locked in and they'll really make some plays before first pitch. So that's something you do want to consider with those selling teams uh, in those markets where those guys just aren't going to the playoffs and may do some different things uh, here this week. The Tigers and the Royals lines were very interesting all weekend long. And in fact, we saw some Royals money in a couple of those games. Um, You know, look, the Tigers played really well against the Twins and the Rangers and then got swept by the Royals. And and that's something that will happen with young teams. They're trying to learn how to win. But I think it probably caught some people off guard on Friday when the Royals were favored over the Tigers on certainly on Saturday as well. So, you know, look, I mean, like I said, I think this market is pretty tight. I think this market is pretty efficient. I don't think you're going to find the wrong team favored all that often or anything like that. So when I saw that Royals line on Friday, uh, it certainly uh, caught my interest to say the least. Frankie Montas took some money on Friday against Yusei Kikuchi. And of course, the Mariners won that game by one run because they win every game by one run. Uh, but that was one where Montas and the A's did take some money and that wound up being a loser. Uh, in that one, it was a loser for me as well, as I like the A's in that game. Freddie Peralta and the Brewers took money on Friday night. That was against the Chicago White Sox. In fact, the Brewers took money in all three games in that series, won the first two, lost on Sunday Night Baseball 3-1. to one. I thought that was interesting. You know, I mean, Chicago is is a solid team. As I mentioned, they're not doing particularly well against other solid teams. But I thought that was an interesting series of line moves there where a lot of love for that Brewers starting rotation, probably deservedly so. But it does make me wonder if they make an impact addition like a Joey Gallo, you know, what happens with their numbers? How do those run out when those front of the rotation guys are on the mound? Saturday, we saw a big move against Merrill Kelly. That was Alec Mills in that one for the Cubs and the Diamondbacks. I don't know why. I mean, Merrill Kelly's been really good here lately. I hope he gets traded. I hope he gets out of that situation in Arizona. I hope the Indians get him, frankly. Uh, not that I think they'll contend next year, but you know, give them a, a you know another reliable starter out there. But somebody will get Merrill Kelly, I think, and uh, they're going to get a pretty good pitcher when they do get him. He was very good uh, in that start over the weekend once again, and that was a line move that I truly did not understand and, and one that I probably would have taken advantage of off. I didn't have some family things going on here over the past weekend. The Phillies took money. That was Vince Velasquez and Drew Smiley. Not really a big surprise to see money against Smiley. It's been happening a fair amount here. We'll see if anybody's interested in him if the Braves become a seller. As I mentioned, Red Sox money all weekend long, but certainly Red Sox money with Nate Uvalde against Jamison Tyon on Saturday. Like I said, I think people have kind of given up on the Yankees here. So that's uh, that's something you may want to look for. As we go forward, Saturday's line move in the Tigers and Royals game was probably the most interesting because Casey Mize, who has pitched really well, was on the mound for the Tigers against Carlos Hernandez for the Royals. And this was one where the market actually bet on Kansas City. Now, Casey Mize is on an innings restriction for right now. They're really trying to limit his reps here the rest of the way because he's taking a big jump up in innings pitched. I'm sure they'll do the same thing as we go forward here with guys like Tarek Skubal and potentially Matt Manning as well. 
So this was one where I think a lot of people expected Casey Myers to throw two or three innings. Well, he wound up throwing four and two thirds. Now the Tigers did lose that game nine to eight, kind of a back and forth battle, but Mize pitched a lot longer than I think anybody expected. So this would be a frustration in Casey Mize's starts here as we go forward. So do your research, do your reading, try to find out what the Tigers may do with Mize in his given starts. But that was one where I was very surprised to see him work as deep into the ballgame as he did. Logan Gilbert and the Mariners took money on Saturday against Chris Bassett and the A's. Big series for the Mariners there. Uh, they just keep winning games. Had the under in that one. That one didn't come through. And guess what? The Mariners won uh, by one run. Corbin Burns took money against Carlos Rodon. And as I mentioned, you know, the Brewers took a lot of money in that series. But that was a game that really underscored the importance of shopping around. You know, when I was checking through the odds screen to get these games for today's segment, you know, there were books at minus 140 for that game. There were other books at minus 130. And, and this is really important. This makes a big difference in terms of your break-even percentage, in terms of your expected ROI, all that kind of thing. You've got to be able to shop around for the best prices. And that's especially true here in this U.S. marketplace because it's it's a different style of bookmaking to what we see globally. And you're going to find a lot of these shops, and I'm not going to name drop anything here, but you're going to find a lot of these shops that will be 10, 15 cents higher on these really popular public teams and public starting pitchers than you're going to find at other places. There are books that are going to just have fairer numbers, fairer odds on these favorite types of teams, especially if the book gets a little bit unbalanced. You know, if you've got a situation like this one where Corbin Burns went up from, you know, minus 120 to minus 140, well, they'll do anything they can to try and get money back on the other side. So they may go from 120 to 150. You know, you might have minus 130, minus 135 out there in the market. And some of these sports books may have minus 150. So it is critically important if you've got the bankroll capacity and you can be an organized person to have multiple sportsbook accounts so that you can shop around for the best lines. Again, it is critically important. It is one of the most important things that you can do because once you lock in that bet, you have no idea what happens in that game. You've done your research. You've tried your best, but one thing that you can control is getting minus 130 instead of minus 140 or minus 140 instead of minus 150. Those are things that are imperative. You absolutely have to make it a point to do that as often as you possibly can. On Sunday, we saw a fade of the Diamondbacks. It made Trevor Williams about a $2 favorite. That was a big old number for him, but the Cubs did win that game. The Giants took money in all three games of their series against the Pirates, finally paid off on Sunday as Alex Wood got the win uh, over JT Brubaker. Uh, The Giants avoiding embarrassment there. The Rays took money against the Indians. And this is one where this one kind of moved right before first pitch. Well, it moved when the lineups came out because Jose Ramirez was given a day off for the Indians. And obviously their offensive projection is bad enough, but you take Jose Ramirez out of the equation and it's certainly not good. And it's something that I kind of thought about in the back of my mind when I took Tampa Bay yesterday, didn't want to commit to that. Didn't want to commit to saying I thought Jose Ramirez would be out. But we got some line value on that game. And of course, it's still lost. Uh, I've lost a lot of one-run games here over the last few days. But that was one where, you know, I didn't mention it in the write-up, and maybe I should have. 
But you know, that was one where I think it was pretty clear that Jose Ramirez was getting a day off with a bad shoulder, day game after a night game, all of that. If you can kind of get out in front of some of those, you know, then maybe you do get some closing line value. And of course, uh, that one just went in the CLV bonfire. Twins money on Bailey Ober, wrong on Sunday. Uh, that was one against, I believe, Jaime Berea for the Angels. Uh, Bailey Ober is taking a good bit of money in his starts and, and maybe isn't all that deserving of it. Money came in against the Orioles and John Means on Sunday, but the Orioles finished off a sweep of the Washington Nationals. Not a great look for Washington. That's pretty frustrating for me. As somebody who picked up some pieces of their futures market at the All-Star break, uh, not, a, not a good look there at all whatsoever. So as far as Monday goes, pretty slow start to the day overall. Not a ton of line movement out there. We are seeing some more Boston money. That's Nick Pavetta against Thomas Hatch in that Blue Jays and Red Sox matchup. The Tigers took some money against the Twins, and I am on the Tigers today. I mean, look, realistically speaking to me, and it doesn't make for great content. You know, I have to kind of pretty it up a little bit. The Twins just don't deserve to be that big of a favorite with Michael Pineda on the mound. So that line has come down a little bit here today with Matt Manning. Twins are still kind of in selling mode. They're still looking around, trying to figure out what they can get from other teams for some of their hitters. So went ahead and took the Tigers today. I think that's probably a a pretty good look there. And as I mentioned previously, I am on the White Sox for today as well. So totals move. Rockies and Angels from eight and a half to as low as seven and a half. Then we got some buyback back up to eight with Herman Marquez and Shohei Otani in tonight's game all right so let's talk about the week ahead and look clearly again i've talked about it a lot on this show already trade deadline stuff is very important to follow pay attention to what's happening out there with the news as i said if you're betting on a team it's going to be a seller you probably want to make sure that lineup is going to be fully intact if you're betting on a team it's a buyer against the seller well, go ahead and bet that one early because they may add something to the lineup or something like that. But also if you're fading a seller, again, I think maybe you want to get on those as early as possible here. We take a look at the Braves and the Mets. As I said, a five-game series here. Kyle Muller and Marcus Stroman in game one tonight. Bryce Wilson goes for the Mets, or for the Braves, excuse me. Not sure who will go for the Mets in game two tonight or the game tomorrow that Charlie Morton is scheduled to start for the Braves. Max Freed and Tyler McGill coming up on Wednesday. And then Drew Smiley and Taiwan Walker here on Thursday. And as I said, this is a series that could define what the Braves are going to do at the deadline. Big games both ways. Lots of low-scoring games so far at City Field, so keep that in mind here. Maybe that favors the Mets, who don't have a great offense. They're used to playing kind of those close, low-scoring games. The Braves' bullpen has had some issues here so far. I am on the Braves in game one tonight, fading Marcus Stroman. You can read about that over at ATS.io. As far as the rest of the series goes, not really sure, especially with two blanks there for game two tonight and Tuesday for the Mets. Blue Jays and Red Sox here. Thomas Hatch, Nick Pavetta tonight, Robbie Ray, Garrett Richards tomorrow, Steven Matz and Tanner Houck on Wednesday. Look, the Red Sox are, you know, just doing what they have to do to stay ahead of the Rays. Jays are pretty far off the division pace, but they still have a shot at that second wildcard spot if Oakland winds up stumbling a little bit. Two good offenses, obviously a big total here in tonight's game, big totals throughout this series. Not the greatest of pitching matchups, but one thing I can tell you is Robbie Ray will probably take money tomorrow. And 
If he doesn't, the over will. And in fact, both things could happen. A lot of fades of Garrett Richards out there in the marketplace right now. Big spin rate decreases since the crackdown. So um, that's one where if you want to bet the Blue Jays and Robbie Ray, I think you want to do it early as opposed to doing it late, even though Robbie Ray didn't pitch all that well his last time out against Boston. The Dodgers and the Giants, big time series here at Oracle Park. Julio Urias and Logan Webb on Tuesday. Walker Bueller, Anthony DiScofani on Wednesday. David Price, Johnny Cueto on Thursday. Look, close games, high drama, bullpen issues last week. Do we see all of it again? Do we run it all back and see low-scoring games where the bullpens really have a significant impact? I think it's definitely a possibility here. You know, uh, one thing I do think is, you know, the Giants will probably be a little bit underpriced tomorrow with Logan Webb. I think they'll be probably a little bit too big of an underdog in that game. And again, for for Wednesday's game here, there's still that perception of Anthony DiScofani that he can't pitch well against the Dodgers. Even though he did last week, got off to a little bit of a slow start, kind of settled in. Uh, I think that that's one where we'll probably see Walker Bueller money hit the board on Wednesday and then probably see a fade of Cueto on Thursday. So maybe we get some Giants money tomorrow night, but I do think we see Bueller money on Wednesday and probably David Price money on Thursday. So if you're interested in betting any of these games, that's kind of my outlook, what I think will happen here for this series. The Brewers are facing the Pirates, and the White Sox are facing the Royals here. And, you know, look, I mean, like I said, I'm on the White Sox tonight. I think that line's just a little bit short. But when you're a division leader like this, and both of these teams have beaten up on bad teams, uh, the Brewers are one game over 500 against teams 500 or better, the White Sox are well below 500. When your role is to beat up on bad teams, these are games you have to bank. You have to win these types of games. So, you know, I sort of look at both of these series and say, okay, I'm not betting the dog at all. I will bet the favorite, but I'm not betting the dog at all because these are two teams that do thrive in that bully kind of role. And I think both of these teams should do that here for this week. So how you want to play that, how you choose to play that is up to you. But I did take the White Sox here in tonight's game, kind of with that thought process in mind. Lastly here, the A's and the Padres. James Caprellian and Chris Paddock on Tuesday. Sean Manaya and Blake Snell on Wednesday. Quick two-game series here. But really, I just want to know how the Padres handle Adam Frazier. I mean, are they willing to make that big move and put Hosmer on the bench, put Jake Cronenworth at first, really upgrade the projection of this offense. And if they can do that, well, things are going to be pretty interesting because I've talked about them a lot as a team that's been kind of an underachiever on high velocity contact and all of that. So interesting to see what they do there, but interesting to see what happens league wide with that major league baseball trade deadline looming. One last time, ladies and gentlemen, we'll do the betters box on Thursday here. As I said, a very bittersweet time for me. you excited for the next chapter, but Tough to be leaving a lot of these things behind. So one more edition of the betters box comes your way here on Thursday. So we'll definitely have that to look forward to. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And remember that you will never strike out when you're in the betters box.